Hi, guys. It's me, Lindsay Pinchuk, host of Dear Founder. Today, you're going to hear me and our guests talk a lot about the importance of your network, especially as it relates to founding a business a little bit later in life. Helping you expand your own network is a priority for me. Last week, we hosted a Found Her Friday event outside of Chicago, and tomorrow is our next virtual Found Her Friday. You can join us from anywhere, and from the feedback last quarter, this was an event not to be missed. Don't forget to make sure that you get on our list for all of our upcoming events and to register for tomorrow's Found Her Friday through the link in our show notes. I'm telling you, you are not going to want to miss what's coming. And now, on to our show. I became familiar with Juice Beauty during my days at the first company I founded, Bump Club and Beyond. So when Karen Benke's name landed in my inbox to guest on Dear Founder, I jumped at the opportunity. Karen is a three-time founder who sold a company in her 30s. She's enjoyed a long and successful entrepreneurial career in the health and wellness industry. Her consistent goal is to equally marry her passion for helping people enjoy healthier lifestyles with her skill at building financially successful businesses that are on that are on a mission. Juice Beauty is the OG original green beauty brand and leading the way in the clean beauty industry. The company philosophy centers around strong commitments to vegan, cruelty-free sustainability, certified organic ingredients, wellness, and their unique farm-to-beauty approach. Today on Dear Found Her, three-time founder of Juice Beauty, Karen Banky discusses the difference between starting a company in your late 40s versus your early 20s. She also talks about being a pioneer in the clean beauty space and how she convinced the CEO of Ulta that clean beauty was the way of the future. Keep listening for an incredible conversation with one of the most admirable founders I've ever had on the show. Please come in and meet the one, the only Karen Banky. Dear Founder, I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk. At 30 years old, I founded my first company with just $500, building it to reach 3 million people and generate seven figures in revenue for six years straight, all before I sold it. A decade later, I exited with one goal, to support other women in business through their own entrepreneurship journeys. As an entrepreneur, you wear every hat. You burn the midnight oil, and most of all, you pour your heart and soul into everything you do. But there's no blueprint for success. Every week on Dear Founder, you'll get to sit in as I pick the brain of some of my closest female founder contacts. Save yourself time, money, and hassle listening to the lessons of those who have already done it. You'll also have the chance to hear about my own founder journey, how I built my first company, and now how I'm building my second, as I share solo episodes filled with actionable lessons and steps that you can apply to your business immediately. Make sure to subscribe now so that we can build our businesses together each and every week. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I'm so excited about today's guest because I have known her brand since my previous life at my first company, Bump Club and Beyond. And to have her company land in my inbox was really and truly an honor. Karen Banky, who is the founder of Juice Beauty, is here. And I'm so excited to have you here and to hear your story. So welcome to Dear Founder. Thank you, Lindsay. It's so great to it was great to hear your name again. So so excited. So I'm so happy you're here. You just shared some exciting news with me. You told me you hired your first CEO, which I know is like the holy grail for any founder. So I'm excited to hear this, the history and have this conversation and really just dive into how you got to where you are today. So why don't you kick us off by sharing your founding story with us? 
Okay. Well, let's see. Well, given my age, this could take five hours. No, I'm just kidding. I'll keep it short. But, you know, I, I had, I've really been a health and wellness entrepreneur my whole life. And, you know, just really driven by a love of, of health and wellness from having grown up um, in a town that had the largest PBB spill in the country and being heavily affected by that, just with watch, watching the animals die and watching, you know, researchers draw blood on our university and hearing that PBB was, you know, going through our bloodstreams and everything. But so I, be, but turning it to the positive, I became an environmentalist uh, very early on. And then I became in the mid in the heart of the Midwest. And I know you're in Chicago. I was in Michigan in the heart of the wet in Midwest, becoming a vegetarian was not popular in the late seventies. So, but, uh, and so environmentalism and wellness were near and dear to my heart wellness because I had, wasn't given a great, um, health uh, deck of cards when I was born. So I had a lot to, uh, overcome. And then later fast forward, I, you know, so I built one of the first starting with an aerobics exercise company and the Jane Fonda days in the uh, 1980 when I, and I got the army contract for Northern California, uh, teaching uh, doctors and nurses and scientists aerobics, trying to get them fit. Also the readiness reserve group, which is a, um, you know, specialty group in the army. And then, um, then I expanded to corporate wellness where we, I incorporated all of the wellness um, aspects of annual screenings and medical fitness, uh, annual screenings and stress management, and nutrition and everything. That company was about 15 years and I had sold it to Pacific Care, which became United Healthcare, very successful. And then I, at that point, I was in my late thirties, met my husband and started, you know, we, and we had babies in my early forties and it was the first time I had ever picked up a beauty products label and read it. Despite having specialized in health and wellness my entire life, I had never read a label. I was focused on fitness and nutrition and all the science with that and, you know, well-being, but it never occurred to me to read a label, read a lot of labels with food, but it never occurred to me to read a label on what I was putting all over my face and body until I started having my babies in my 40s. And what went from horror <laughs> reading a label um, with all the ingredients that are not needed uh, in beauty products that could, can be, could potentially be toxic to humans or to um, animals or the planet went to, I can do this. So um, bought the name Juice Beauty and started it from scratch. And I'll just end that story with my concept originally was to fill, and we still stay true today, we fill with organic botanical juices. And so I really wanted the name Badly Juice Beauty because it fits so perfectly. Um, so filling with organic botanical juices like rich jojobas and shays and grapeseed that are already jammed with vitamins and minerals and rich antioxidants, then we add powerful ingredients to that, rice peptides, hyaluronic acid, uh, retinols, bioretinols, et cetera. So every organic drop feeds your skin. And that was it. And now we'll be 19 this summer and uh, woof. <laughs> well, congratulations. And before we get into the whole Juice Beauty piece of the story, there's something I want to ask you that, that, that just struck me with your story. You obviously had great success with your first company and you sold a business. And, you know, here you are, you're in your late 30s. That's not old, you know? I mean, late 30s is still very young. 
and then you started having babies. What made you even want to start something else? Because it is a very big undertaking to start a company. And, you know, why not tell someone else the idea or pass it on to someone else? Like, what made you want to be the catalyst behind starting this company? Really good question, because um, that's what a normal person would do. And I think when you're an entrepreneur, it's in your blood and you can't let it go. You just can't let it go. And I will never forget when I went to my husband, who's a cardiologist, and he had a pretty sane work schedule. He was insane when he was on call and everything. But other than that, pretty sane. And he would say, why? Would you, are you kidding me? I said, not only do I want to take some money and invest, and I will get other investors, but I, you know, he, he knew I was going to be working a zillion hours a week. So, but I said, I just, I, I've got this idea and I can't let it go. And I just, it's in your blood. And I did fight it for a long time at that because it would have been my third, it, it is my third company, Juice Beauty. And I didn't actually start it until the kids got into elementary school. So I fast forward, I had my kids in my early 40s. I start, I bought the name and started the company in my late 40s. So I waited till they were a little bit older and in school. And it just, you cannot get the entrepreneurial um, motivation and ideas out of your head. It's in your blood. And I fought it and I thought, I'm just going to, you know, cruise and be a consultant. Not that consulting is cruising, but I was going to work half time as a consultant to private equity. That was my plan. I did it for a while. Had to start another company. Could, couldn't, couldn't control my brain. <laughs> what was what was different about starting a company in your late 40s versus your early 30s or late 20s? And I ask that because we talk a lot here about that late 40s pivot and a lot of women do start something different or start a business after being at home with their kids. And this is a theme that has come up time and time again here at Dear Founder and amongst our community. So what was a big difference or what were the big differences when you started a company later on? Well, when I started my first two companies, I was in my early 20s. So I had no money, no contacts. You know, I was from a small town in Michigan, went to Western Michigan University, great school, but not a, not a, uh, you know, national network type of thing, like where my daughter went, like Duke. So um, I, I, I really, it was crazy in my 20s. And so the things I did to overcome obstacles at in my first two companies with opening 17 credit cards all in one day and crazy stuff that um, I didn't have to do with Juice Beauty. So with Juice Beauty, because I had already had a couple companies, because my kids, um, I had kids very late and then I, they were in elementary school all day. I had some time and I had, a, I had a solid network. So I went to my network and um, particularly the people that had purchased my, my, my wellness company and just people I'd worked with over the last 20 years that trusted me. And I put my money up first. Again, couldn't have done that in my 20s. I had no money. But I put my money up first. And then they, my investors came in behind me. And I knew them. I'd worked with a lot of them. So there was trust. So the, for, for Juice Beauty, the first $5 million I raised, I raised in 24 hours. I, I can't even imagine how long if you, whatever 5 million would be worth in 2005, if you dial that back to the 1980s, when I started my wellness companies, I don't even know how long it would have taken me to raise that money with no contacts. And so 
Very different. Well, you, an- Very- you answered my next question because my question was going to be, did you, did you feel like you could do this faster than you did the first time, which obviously you could, but I, you know, I think it's interesting when you, um, when you, when you say what you just said about raising the money, because a lot, I also think that a lot of women, when they're coming out of being at home, if they've been at home or if they're making a change or they, you know, they're in corporate America and they're like, well, I have this idea and, and I want to do this later, later in my forties. Now that my kids are at school, I do think a lot of women have my, I hate this word imposter syndrome, but I do think that they do have imposter syndrome and they're like, I don't know if I can really do it. I, I don't really know. And you answered that by saying, you know, I have the network, I had the contacts and it's oftentimes those simple tools that really can propel you out of the gate in that later in life opportunity. You know, I have so many friends that went to Harvard or Stanford or amazing schools, but they had been out of the workforce for 20 years. And, and I listened to them and I never left the workforce completely though. So, and I always, um, give advice and it's not right for everyone for sure. But for me, um, when my kids were little, I stayed, um, and again, I had already sold two companies and everything, and I could consult part-time, uh, half-time for private equity companies. And, but, and I know not everyone has that opportunity, but I stayed in the game. So I was, you know, I worked a lot remotely before remote was popular because I was writing a lot of, you know, reviewing a lot of case studies and things like that, business plans. But, um, but that for me, I always recommend to stay in the game, stay in the game part-time you know, but stay in the game because it, I can't imagine once you completely disconnect how hard it would be to, to reconnect. I, I think it would be very difficult. Yeah. And I think for some it is, you know, I, I definitely do, but I think you, what you just shared is very inspirational and, you know, here at Dear Founder and in all of our communication, we always just kind of tell people just go for it. And, and that's why, you know, I love your story and why I love that you're here sharing this. Well, so, can I just mention from yeah. a Midwesterner to Midwesterner, you know, it did surprise me often because, um, you know, I, I run track with uh, a lot of uh, wonderful women that are, again, highly, highly, much more highly educated than me and many that haven't worked in many years. And I would listen to them about how they weren't quite sure if they were ready to go back or did they need a coach and all that. And as a Midwesterner, I was like, oh, my God, your education, just go for it. You know, <laughs> I was just just it was like the Nike thing. Just do it. So. Uh, that was always my advice to them. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? So anyway. exactly, and I say that all the time. What is the worst that can happen? You make a pivot, or you make a change, or you you don't do it. Or but if you don't try, you won't know. So, you know, I'm glad that you tried. I'm glad that you that you you went back and you did this because your company is amazing. And so I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about Juice Beauty. You talked to us at the top of this conversation about the ingredients and what makes you different. But like, I'd like for you to really get into what makes you different because you really were one of the the first clean beauty companies. We really were. And you know, it's not that I set out to say, I want to be the cleanest, most organic beauty company. From my background of health and wellness and, you know, really uh, pioneering all those things and, and really becoming, you know, d- adopting a sustainable and organic lifestyle early on before it was popular, it never occurred to me to not build a company like that. And so, and I saw the gap in the marketplace. So, and then I was so thrilled when, um, you know, the younger generations were driving transparency because it never occurred to me to not be transparent and to not, you know, you have to go back into to 2005. A lot of beauty companies did not list the ingredients on their website. You had to go to the store and find the box and take a picture of it 
and then research the ingredients. You couldn't get it on their website. And I thought, why, why are we making it so hard for customers? But anyway, but so our original premise of certified organic technology, you know, with higher antioxidant levels for better skincare results, that was our original technology that we live to to this day. And really starting out with organic botanical juices instead of water, which a lot of the cleans or natural naturals use, not a bad thing, but it really is dilute, um, dilutive, or um, a lot of the conventional chemical brands use um, glycols, petroleum, we use plant gly- uh, vegetable glycols, but plant uh, petroleum glycols that can be laced with dioxane. So what I wanted to do is have every organic drop feed your skin. I knew that if we filled, started out, spent the money and filled with organic botanical juices and that we would just be, our products would be jam packed with antioxidants. What do antioxidants do? They fight free radical damage on your skin, which means less wrinkles, less dark spots, more even skin tone and glow, 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 glow. It allows your skin to glow. So really certified organic ingredient technology with higher antioxidant levels. And we're at the farm today from our stunning organic farm in Sonoma County. So I'd like to go back to when you first started, because obviously this business was a departure from your previous businesses. You're all of a sudden you have a consumer packaged good, a beauty product, something that people are going to not ingest, but put on their skin and on their, on their body. How did you start? Like what was like, and you don't have to get into like the nitty gritty. I mean, I, you know, but like, did you start with one product, a line of products? How did you know which products to start with? You know, I think that that's a very big undertaking considering how expansive your line is now. Yeah. And well, and I bought the name and there were a couple products um, that had the name Juice Beauty, but I quickly uh, discontinued them because they weren't um, organic or clean or anything. So um, I really studied what what was happening at, at Sephora and Ulta. And I saw how, you know, skincare, because I didn't, I mean, I knew skincare from using it, but I didn't know skincare from building a company. And I studied how it was, you know, cleansers, serums, AM moisturizers with SPF, PM moisturizers that are richer. And that's really how we started with a very simple regimen. And then I, I, it was just really, what do I want? Um, I was, you know, when I was pregnant with my babies, um, I was getting hormonal acne and I got terrible hormonal acne around my chin. I'd never had acne as a kid, you know, a pimple here and there or whatever, but I never had that terrible skin stuff that people go through. Well, I got it uh, with my pregnancies. I mean, horrible scarring, everything. And then at the same time, I, I was, since I was in my forties, I was starting to get fine lines and wrinkles. Again, this is 20 uh, zillion years ago. Um, so um, I thought, well, blemish clearing oil control and age to five. <laughs> That's what we're going to focus on. And now of course we have, targeted skincare collections that have grown from, you know, blemish clearing, oil control to microbiome glow to brightening to anti-wrinkle to firming and then um, skincare infused makeup. So, but in the beginning, it was just very simple, you know, uh, one regimen with blemish clearing and one regimen for age to five. That was it. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast. As I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast, Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets 
Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. So let's talk about the fact that you own your own farm, because I think that that's a really huge differentiation point for your brand versus many other brands. I mean, you you feel your own ingredients. So can you talk to us a little bit about when that happened and what what was the catalyst behind you making that decision? Yeah, well, I always, one of my most fun things is to go out to our farmers and, you know, to visit our organic farmers. I mean, they're the love for the land that they have and the care that they provide for the ingredients. And they always would tell me that they knew their crops had higher antioxidant levels, but, you know, they're selling off their crops. They hadn't tested it. So when I started testing it, they were right. Then the data came out with that organically farmed ingredients had up to 30% higher antioxidant level. But I just, I, I, I kept thinking about, oh my God, I just love these farms. So we had just come through um, a wonderful time where uh, we had, Gwyneth Paltrow had invested in our company and we launched uh, makeup with her, our skincare infused makeup. And she was our creative director for makeup. And it was great. It was a three-year campaign. And she really helped um, get have makeup accepted from us because she, she has beautiful taste. And But coming off of that, you know, we're in Northern California, Sonoma County brand. And, you know, I thought, ah, I, people are going to think we're a Hollywood brand. And we do a lot of collaborations. And California is a beautiful, wonderful state, but we're a Northern California brand. So again, go to my husband. I say, you know what? We need to buy a farm in Sonoma. <laughs> He's like, do you ever stop? You know. And so I thought, so fast forward, we found a beautiful property and what it has become, Juice Beauty's Farm, and what my vision was, that it would be a center for innovation, a center for inspiration, a center for um, growing ingredients with the highest antioxidant levels for skincare in the world, a center where our media friends could come, our press friends and our celebrity friends, and where w- once they were here and once they left, I want them to feel like they just had immersed themselves in a Juice Beauty bottle. And so that's what we have created here um, with organic uh, organic vineyards where we pull the grape off for our stem cellular collection. We have beautiful organic olive trees that we're working on. We have have a library garden of feature trees. Like we don't source aloe here or anything, but we use a lot of aloe. So we have our beautiful aloe plants. We get our green apples from Washington State, but we have beautiful green apple trees, et cetera. So... That was the inspiration behind it. I thought, you know, what are we going to do after this beautiful Gwyneth campaign that was so powerful? And what's the foundation of our brand? Really antioxidant rich farm to beauty. And, you know, so if you come here, you will get our signature bright green, uh, you know, and everything is sustainable, um, organic, reclaimed. It's, it's on brand from top to bottom. <laughs> 
So you just said something that I think is so important. You said the foundation of your brand. And this is something that we also talk about here. It's something that I talk about with my clients all the time is staying true to your mission, staying true to your foundation and laying that foundation and that groundwork and building up from there. Now, can you talk a little bit about how that premise has really fueled your success? Because I do think that in a category, especially like beauty, it could be very hard to stay on track and to stick to that foundation because there oftentimes are other directions that you might want to go in. But you guys do a beautiful job staying on brand and sticking to that mission. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Thank you. And it it has been hard and we have strayed. I mean, we'll be 19. So, and you know, we, we have an amazing team, but you know, over 19 years, you have different leaders come in, you know, different marketing leaders, different sales leaders, et cetera. So, and everyone has different taste. And it always astounds me when someone says, well, this is out or that's out. Really, it's really what it's like our signature green is part of our brand. And it's, it's, it's multifold. And when people see our green, they know it's Juice Beauty. So, um, I'm, I'm always pushing that because it's double meaning. It's green, it's green. And, we're known a lot for green apple, our green apple peel, which is that color green. So that's, that's been a push for me, but it's not always the easiest thing. And, and I think founders get a lot of criticism for being picky or being whatever, but we should be picky. We should be discerning. We should have goalposts that we won't go outside of or the brand just, you can't even think anymore. But, you know, so we're, we're, you know, as far as, you know, our color and our beautiful drop, which is all over our farm, which is on our packaging. It's, it's actually a juice drop. So, and it's meant to every organic drop feeds your skin. So those are kind of, you know, our color and our drop are, are clear to, are just so important. And then over the years with our logo, you know, we start out with fancy serifs and everything. And, you know, we're trying to go more sleek to be more modern, but that aside, what I'm trying to, you know, really portray is, that our, our re, what we do, what we deliver is glowing, healthier skin. And we do that through clinically validated formulas and um, uh, clinically validated results and authentically organic formulas. And that's, that's really the essence of what we do. You know, we deliver glowing, beautiful skin with, and we clinically validate everything and we have authentically organic formulas. So that's kind of the foundation. So, I would love to for you to, if you can, and I don't know if I don't know if there is an instance or whatnot, but I would love it if you had a scenario where you did say no because it was outside of your goalposts and and why you said no. I think it's important for people to hear stories like this because I do think as founders, oftentimes we like either feel like we can't say no or we don't want to say no because of ulterior reasons. But I do think that learning how to say no and sticking within those goalposts, as you just mentioned, is really important. Well, it gets harder and harder, the bigger you get. And the more, um, you know, where I'm not as involved in the day to day with uh, marketing and and everything, but I'm, I'm still leaning product. And if you don't have the product and it's not on brand and you're not, you know, oozing what you think the brand is, you can't invent products. So it's, um, I think a couple, t- there are a couple times that, um, we like our stem cellular collection is very popular. And it, you know, I, we went silver, but we were a darker silver. And this is all recycled plastic, by the way. Um, but 
we went a darker silver. Um, and I didn't say no at that time. And it, it was just very drab to me. So we've just gotten brighter and brighter. And then um, when Gwyneth came in, um, we had a slightly darker green. For and I, So let me back up. I wish I would have said no originally to the darker silver because it took a while for us to work through that and brighten it up a little bit. And then we went to a period where um, we started out with a period where we were all white, 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 white. And you just get lost in the stores. And we our signature green wasn't coming through enough. So we really, um, I'm always pushing our signature green because you can find us. And people go, oh, my God, I spotted your brand a mile away. And then Gwyneth actually brightened our green. It was just a little bit dull. So before 2014, so we brightened it a little bit to be more fresh. And it's funny, I just had a press interview and it was with um, a young person and an older person, older as in my age. And <laughs> um, they, they both were talking about how they, when they look at you, they, they view it as clean and fresh. So that made me feel great, <laughs> but it is hard. And as we, it, it, it will continue to be hard. So when was it that you guys launched in retail? Um, well, we launched in retail in, right away in 2005, and our first retailer, they're gone. They didn't make it through COVID, but our first retailer was a small chain of wellness pharmacies, amazing, called Pharmaca, P-H-A-R-M-A-C-A. They were uh, uh, 17, whatever, 18, I think they closed their doors, whatever, right in the middle of COVID. So they were an 18-year partner, and they, they had about 25 stores, beautiful high-end pharmacies, and the whatever happened, I don't know. So that was our first retail partner. And that was our, our step into retail. And then where are you now in retail? Ulta Beauty. So it's all about Ulta to us. So in the US, we're Ulta Beauty and online and in-store. And then our uh, internationally, we're in several Sephora's um, outside of US. And then we do a lot of business online in China. Unbelievable the amount of business that goes on with TikTok and selling online in China. So we have that was really... going to be my next question. So I am going to get into the TikTok piece, but yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Really, on, on the Ulta piece, when was it that you, that you launched into Ulta? Uh, we've been with Ulta and they, they were amazing. Uh, I have been, it still are amazing. We've been with Ulta probably 14 of our 18 and a half years. So quite a while. And do you want me to tell you the story how we got in? <laughs> yeah, I would love I would love it because I do think there are so many people who listen and are like, I have a product and I and I just don't know where to start. And this is always one of my favorite questions. So yes, please. Well, it's it, it's harder and harder because the beauty industry is so crowded now. But at the time I thought we'd be the perfect fit for Ulta. And the CEO at the time, um Chuck Chuck Rubin, was um they didn't have any organic or natural brands. And this was a long time ago, and they probably had, they, they have, what, 1,400 stores now maybe, and they had maybe three or 400 or something. And so, um, again, Midwest, Midwest, I kept calling his assistant because the company was big, but not so big that I couldn't figure out who his assistant was. I called her a thousand times to the point where she, I said, I'm coming home and to visit my home state, Michigan. I'm going to be right around the corner in Chicago. She was so tired of hearing from me. <laughs> I think she just said, fine, you get 15 minutes with uh, the CEO. I'm like, yes. So I sat down with him for 15 minutes and I put our products down and gave them to him. And I said, you need to help change the world. Beauty is changing. And this whole movement, clean wasn't a thing there, but I said the whole natural and organic movement is coming. 
and Ulta needs to be at the forefront. And to their credit, and well, first he said, I'll give you 50 stores after he tried the products, loved them. And I'm going to put, I'm going to spread them all over the country. So you can't possibly, you know, uh, have all your family going in, buying all the product, whatever, you know? And I said, Oh, okay. So and we did well. And then we, we, uh, you know, we, we expanded to all stores. So it was, it was very risky for them at the time to take an organic ingredients brand that was unknown and, you know, bright green, but they, they did. And, they were the ones helpful for us also over the years to say, you know, steer away from the white and gray so much, move more into bright, bright, bright colors so um, people can find you in store. But they've been an amazing partner. So they came to me and I was one of the first consultants for Conscious Beauty and I helped them develop the, their whole Conscious Beauty endeavor. And then I'm on their um, Conscious Beauty board. And really, I know some other retailers get credit, but Ulta was working with us um, 14, 15 years ago on really being a leader in or- organic and natural before it was popular. Persistence pays off, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. I think I was a little, obno- I borderline, it was borderline obnoxious, but, <laughs> but not even just, no, because I think too, you, you clearly have, a, a, as you should, a belief in your brand and your company. And that was something that in those 15 minutes he saw and that that's what you sold him on, you know? I mean, yeah. I, and I think that that's an important, that's important. And if you're passionate, which I am about the products and about the mission and about how we look and feel and everything, it's easy to get people excited because it's coming from you and it's authentic. Let's talk about TikTok because I know that TikTok has uh, probably changed your business in many ways in, for the positive. So I'd love for you to kind of touch upon how TikTok has impacted your business in the beauty landscape? Well, interesting because when I look back at social media, we were early to the game with Facebook, probably on the game with Instagram. We were late to the game with TikTok. So, and I think it's because I didn't even know it existed hardly. I mean, my daughter was on it and everything, but I just, I don't know, whatever. But we were a little bit late to the game. So we had some catching up to do. And we've really, we really only started our TikTok channel about a year ago. And so we have gained a great following and great engagement. And it's, it's escalated more lately. Our, our head of marketing, uh, Nagar, has done a great job of, of escalating that, uh, that channel. And so, but it's, it's different. It's very different. And then, um, what I'm always watching with it is first it, you have to have less than five second videos. Now they're experimenting with longer videos and you know, your head could pop off with all the different changes with, with what's trending and what's not. But fortunately we have people from so many generations in our office, including real young people. And, and then I'm the oldest person. Um, and so, you know, everyone, you get different opinions and di- from different demographics, which is so powerful, just like different, you know, ethnicities and everything. That's so powerful for me. So something that I think that is really interesting about TikTok, and I don't know, this is just an observation, is that, you know, oftentimes TikTok gets the reputation that it's for the younger generation. But I know so many women who are over 40 who are on TikTok. They might not necessarily be participating by sharing, but they're participating by viewing and engaging and ultimately buying. So do you happen to know if that is a trend for you? If you do have older buyers who are on TikTok who are seeing your products? Because I think that too often brands write off this older generation on not just social media, but really on TikTok. 
I think we do. And, you know, because we get, uh, we get messaged from older customers. Now we have a really good demographic. Our main demographic is 25 to 45. So we're in a really good spot, but we don't, our, our arch is not like this 25 to 45. We're like this, you know, we're like a nice, because of our targeted skincare through the ages, you know, starting with preteens up to hormonal years with blemish, then going up to firming and anti-wrinkle. But, um, it's amazing because, you know, what we also see a lot, we are, Juice Beauty attracts a lot of mother-daughter or mother-sons, and that is rampant on TikTok. I mean, I think back, uh, my daughter graduated from Duke a couple of years ago, and I know one time there was this, they were doing this um, mother-Duke um, student dance-off during COVID. And so there were all these generations on there, and I see that with skincare too, with um, you know, different, different generations. So I, I agree with you. I think it's, it's reaching a lot more of a, an older demographic than, than what people think. So I'd love for you, before I ask my last question, I'd love for you to paint a picture for us as to the growth trajectory of Juice Beauty. Obviously you're 19 years old. You have a solid brand. You have a solid product line. What has the growth been for you guys? Well, we're, you know, going on 18 and a half years now, 19 years. So, you know, the first, when I started the company in 2005, you know, bought the name and started from scratch, um, from 2005 to 2014, my only goal was to grow about a million a year and to break even. And, um, cause I had already sold the company and, you know, our kids are still young. And, but then about 2012, 2013, I thought, oh my gosh, this, I'm really onto something here. This, this brand, the Juice Beauty could be a lot bigger. And then um, in 2014, I uh, took private equity money. And so that really helped fuel the funding of our company. And so then we, you know, tripled the business over the next, um, or I tripled the business uh, over the next, uh, from like 2014 to 2000, till COVID. And we had a tough time during COVID because we grew up during um, retail. <laughs> so we were a retail, retail brand. Well, all the Ulta Beauty stores closed in the U.S. and all the Sephora stores closed, but we quickly pivoted and we have a really great business online now um, through Ulta.com and JuiceBeauty.com and Amazon Luxury. So that, but that was a, a lot of work. So um, and so now we're coming out of that and starting to, to grow again. So we grew steadily. We, we were very flat during COVID and then now we're, we're growing again. So. Wait, so I actually have one more question. I lied. Is there anything that's, that's next that you can share with us or anything on the horizon that you want to share with us? Well, I'm so focused on product development and our farm to beauty, um, innovation that, you know, we, we've, I've, filed my fourth patent during COVID on our super grape technology with our rare Segrantino grape um, for, you know, skincare for the face, you know, grape for the skin, grape for the skin, but grape for the skin. I'm not sure if I enunciated well enough, but um, we're, we're working on more technology with just our goal is always to meet or exceed conventional chemical efficacy, the conventional brands, but to do it with plant and organic um, ingredients. So we do have a lot of, um, technology coming out on the horizon and we're using more and more of our Sagrantino rare grape infused um, across our stem cellular collection. I mean, it's going to be, it, it, we're really excited about it because the antioxidant level boost um, is amazing. And we've tested our serums against some of the leading serums in, in Ulta 
um, that are very widely known. And our antioxidant levels are up to 144% higher, which means that you're getting better results. So it's, it's, all of that is uh, very exciting. So innovation, technology, more with farm to beauty. And yeah, it's exciting. So my last question, I promise, is the same thing I ask everyone. And coming from you, I think this is this is going to be a great answer because you are a three-time founder. But my last question is, what are three actionable steps that you would give to someone who is just starting out with their own business? Okay, let me try to hold it to three. Um, there's a lot of help. For, well, first of all, examine yourself. And do you have resilience? Do you have perseverance? Do you have... because Founding a business and being an entrepreneur, it's like, you know, I, I tell young entrepreneurs when they say, Oh, I, I don't want to work for anyone anymore. I want it. I want a little easier life and, and to be in control of my own destiny. And I'm like, easier? Don't become an entrepreneur. (laughs) Wrong. No, because being an entrepreneur, I always tell them is like a big old redwood tree falling in front of you every day. And you have to figure out how to get over that. So resilience and perseverance really examined. You have that. Or is it going to stress you out so much that it'll ruin your life? And then um, secondly, um, do you have an idea that is complete, you know, that you see a niche in the market that could be filled? And then I would get help with um, really looking at, um, for instance, one of the things that I did, you know, I, I, I did not go to Stanford. I went to Western Michigan University. But Stanford had this amazing um service in their MBA program, service had an amazing class, this is way back when, where you could actually submit your business plan and they would critique it and things as student projects. So there's mentorships, there are, you know, find it, find people you know and trust, but, um, you know, get some help and write a, write a solid business plan. But perseverance and resilience and that second point about is it a niche that you can be passionate about to get up every day when those redwood trees are falling in front of you, that you have the resilience and the perseverance to get over because you're excited. You know, really, really think about that because it's not for the faint of heart at all. Karen Banky, founder of Juice Beauty. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your incredible story and your knowledge with all of us. I so appreciate it. Thank you, Lindsay. We appreciate, I appreciate you that you have this beautiful founder podcast going. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope that you loved this conversation as much as I loved having it. I thought that Karen was a wealth of knowledge and just had so much to share. So in case you missed it, we're going to be closing out each episode of season three with our number one takeaway from the conversation. And while Karen had so many today, there is one that I wanted to focus on. And that is the one to tap into your network and community when you are starting a business. Look for the low-hanging fruit. Karen raised $5 million in 24 hours for Juice Beauty because she called people in her contact book first. When you're starting a business, especially later in life, you have to tap into your previous experience to accelerate the effort. We've been getting so much love for season three, and I cannot thank you enough. You have been so gracious with your time, leaving us so many amazing reviews and ratings. I just want to share one that recently came across our desk. It's from Kristen Curtis 2020. And she recently said, Lindsay's podcast celebrates the contributions of women who have worked tirelessly to build their brands and see their dreams realized. Each episode is packed with wisdom and inspiration. 
Thank you so much, Kristen, for listening and for sharing your thoughts. If you liked today's conversation, I would love it if you left a five-star rating and a review so that others could find this conversation and all of the others we have here on Dear Found Her. All you have to do is go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash Dear Found Her or click the link in the show notes to leave a review wherever it is that you podcast. If you know someone who we should meet, please send them our Meet a Founder link in our show notes. We'll introduce them to the community on our social media and our website later this year. But for now, I want to thank Karen Banky, founder of Juice Beauty, for joining us and all of you for listening. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for being here. Have a great rest of the week and we will see you right here on Tuesday. Tuesday.